This is Points North on Interlochen Public Radio. I'm Peter Payette. We're back with stories about the land, water, and inhabitants of the Upper Great Lakes. On this week's show, maligned and misunderstood birds. We'll hear how public perceptions shape wildlife management at least as much as science. First, there's new research on mute swans, a familiar sight at wetlands and lakes across Michigan and increasingly in urban areas. The state has been culling these birds for years, whittling down the population since they are invasive. But mute swans may be finding sanctuary in cities. Cassidy Huff reports. Brian Allen is a birder. He's been everywhere from North America to South America to Africa to Asia and seen nearly 3,000 different species along the way. But Allen says one of the most dangerous ones he's encountered lives right here in Michigan. I've seen other birds drive other birds out of their territories, but uh, the mute swan, I've been attacked by a mute swan. He was kayaking through Arcadia Marsh a few years ago when it happened, but that didn't keep him from coming back to the marsh. Yeah, I feel like this is my second home, but it has, uh, you'll see how much it's changed when we head out here. If I could be God or have God-like powers, I'd like to do a hundred things to make this marsh better. But the two main ones I would do, get the water level lower, but the most important thing would be to get rid of the mute swans. While many other birds struggle with this high water, swans thrive. Mute swans are large birds with S-shaped necks and orange beaks. The native trumpeter swan is a bit smaller with a less curved neck and a black beak. Mute swans were brought to America from Europe in the early 1900s to decorate parks and homes. Michigan now has more mute swans than any other state or province in North America. A couple days ago, I counted 117 mute swans here. Um, but you can see swan nests all around the marsh here, out in the edges in the, of the, where all the cattails are. Mute swans are very territorial and have been known to attack people, dogs, other birds, and even each other. Pretty much anything that gets too close to its nest, Alan said. And they're not too fond of neighbors, either. For example, they, they've uh, gone through areas where other birds nest, and they stamp their eggs. They destroy the nest, but they do directly attack other waterfowl. They also destroy plants that other birds would eat. A full-grown mute swan eats six pounds of food every day and destroys an additional six pounds, Alan said. Plus, they have up to 10 babies every year, so that adds up. The way they do it, they kick it up from the bottom with their feet, and when they do that, they waste about 50% of what they're kicking up. So it's not only the ducks and other geese and other swans that are affected, but all the life in the wetland. And that damage can be long-term, since swans like to eat the roots of plants. So vegetation doesn't always grow back. This overgrazing especially affects migratory birds, who rely on wetlands like Arcadia Marsh to stop, rest, and refuel. But with high water levels giving them nowhere to land and mute swans leaving them nothing to eat, migratory birds are running out of places to go. And in places like Arcadia Marsh, mute swans have no predators. You can see that eagle was sitting over there, and the swans don't seem to care because they know he's not going to do anything to them. Trees. In 2010... The Michigan Department of Natural Resources counted nearly 16,000 mute swans in Michigan. 
it was right about that time that, you know, we decided, you know, we really need to take mute swan control a lot more seriously. Barbara Avers is a wildlife biologist for the state. She says they set a goal to knock the mute swan population down to less than 2,000 birds by 2030. COVID prevented a 2020 count, but as of 2019, there were about 8,000 mute swans left in the state. Most of the time, the DNR controls the population with firearms. The DNR has been on track to reach their 2030 goal, but a new study from Central Michigan University shows that might change. It found that more mute swans are beginning to move into urban areas. And because mute swans were once domesticated, they might actually like living closer to people, according to the study. But the problem is... They're majestic, they're beautiful. It looks really good when you have it in somebody's pond. Silent, graceful, beautiful, the mute swan. They so enjoy uh, seeing these beautiful birds uh, gliding the water. People like living close to swans too, and many wouldn't like to see them killed. Previously, the DNR has mostly just shot mute swans on state-owned land away from people, so citizen interference hasn't been a huge issue. But Barbara Avers says controlling the population in urban areas definitely complicates things. The DNR depends on requests from property owners to remove mute swans. And people in cities enjoying swans are not likely to ask that they be shot. Thomas Gearing, author of the study, explains the issue. Kind of our concern was that if swans are not being controlled in these more urban centers where they are found, those uh, urban center populations might serve as refuges uh, that, that repopulate other areas across the Great Lakes. The Arcadia Marsh is managed by the Grand Traverse Regional Land Conservancy. A spokeswoman for the Conservancy says they're working on a plan to decrease the mute swan population in the marsh without upsetting the public. But she declined to discuss details. And although Brian Allen understands the public's appreciation of mute swans, he thinks it's important that people know the true cost. Some people like to see them every year, and they may not be aware of how they affect the marsh and all the other animals. So they see them as good. I just, I would hope that people like that would be would think of all the other birds that migrate through here and all the other ducks and birds. There's so many other good things out here that that need this these places too. For IPR News. I'm Cassidy Huff. It turns out in northern Michigan, mute swans may be finding an urban home on Boardman Lake in Traverse City. The birds would be safer there from population control efforts by the state. I asked biologist Steve Largent at the Grand Traverse Conservation District about this in an email. He said, quote, there's a lot of eyes on Boardman Lake, and it would cause quite an uproar if the MDNR started culling mute swans. This is Points North. Public opinion about double-crested cormorants runs in pretty much the opposite direction of mute swans. With these birds, there's an uproar if they're not being shot. And next week, it's open season on double-crested cormorants in Ontario. Beginning Tuesday, hunters in the province can shoot 15 birds a day, every day, until the end of December. Canada does not include cormorants in its list of protected migratory species, as the U.S. does. But the U.S. still issues permits to kill many cormorants each year, tens of thousands. Double-crested cormorants are native to the Great Lakes, unlike those ornery mute swans. 
But here and in Canada, sport anglers say the birds eat too many fish. Ontario's Minister of Natural Resources says the cormorant hunt will strike a healthy balance in local ecosystems. But conservation groups say there is no science to support that claim. That's Points North for this week. This episode was produced by me, Peter Payette, and Cassidy Huff. She was our summer intern from the Knight Center for Environmental Journalism at MSU. We had help from Lexi Krupp. You can tune into Points North every Friday on IPR News Radio. Subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts or listen online at interlockandpublicradio.org. We'll be back next week with a totally different way of dealing with invasive plants that grow on the bottom of lakes. It's generally kind of a goat rodeo. Catch you then.